joining me. I'm on. Good morning, church. I think some of us need to wake up this morning, right? Just think the weather, right? It's rainy. You guys just seem quiet. Even the kids, yeah. Phil said it was just quiet. But um, thank you for joining us and worshiping with us. Please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, if you haven't been with us, we have been walking through Genesis uh, one chapter at a time. And so this morning we get to Genesis chapter 12. So as you turn there, the first few pages of your Bible, I want you to see that this chapter is a very foundational chapter in Scripture. A lot of Scripture looks back to kind of this moment, a very pivotal moment, uh, not just in um, human history, but specifically uh, the history of the people of God. So this has great implications for how we understand the rest of Scripture. So far, though, we've seen from the beginning, right, God bless Noah, God bless Adam, Okay, then we see God bless Noah. And now we get to a turning point as we see God dealing kindly with Abram, later Abraham, right, as you know. So if I say Abram or Abraham, you know, I'll get those two together. Um, that's why. And then subsequently with the people of God and how he, God deals with his people. Now there's a lot of things I can say about this passage. We're only going to cover verses 1 through 9. And even just in those nine verses, there's a lot that we can discuss. Um, you know, we could talk about God's election and how he, you know, calls his people. We could talk about Abram's faith. We could also talk about global missions, okay? And there's a lot that we could go into this. God's word is rich, and there's a lot that we can learn from it. Uh, and so while we may touch on some of those points, the pivotal thing, the thing that I really want you to understand and to see, and why this passage matters so much for you guys today, this morning, it's because I want you to meditate that God, following after God, brings blessings. Okay? Following God actually brings blessings to his people. And not just to you, but also to those around you. Life is already hard as it is, right? When you see your circumstances around you and the, your loved ones, and you see life really is hard. And so, it doesn't have to be harder than it is. If you don't get what today's passage is about, the Christian life will only be harder and more bitter than it needs to be. But if you understand this, and if you see that God cares about his people and his sheep, and he wants to bless them and shower them with blessings, then your obedience will be easier, and it will be sweet. Now, I want that for you. The question is, do you want this for yourself? Will you have faith that God's way is better? So let's read verses 1 through 9, and then we will pray as we walk through our passage. This is God's word. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you see that theme of blessing? Verse 4, So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. 
When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country of the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we lift you up as the one from whom all blessings flow. The Father of lights, Lord, every good thing and every perfect thing comes from above. And so, Father, may this, this morning, may this just be a reminder that you are kind to your people, Lord, that you deal well with us, not as we deserve. Lord, we confess our sins this morning. We know that we don't deserve for you to be kind to us. And yet, Lord, in your grace, you have showered us with blessings. Father, as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week and we consider all our blessings, may our eyes actually be turned, be turned to you and not to ourselves. And Father, may this morning be a help to us in our walk with you and our sanctification that our obedience would be sweet and easier, Lord, as we remember what you've done for us. Help us, Father, to honor you and love you and to live and serve you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, let's begin with verse 1. Okay. Now the Lord said to Abram, go, go. The first thing we see is God calls Abram to a very specific thing. So we see God's call. And what is that call? It says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. This primarily is the call. And let's look back just a couple of verses earlier in chapter 11. Okay, we see kind of the beginning of this, uh, verses 31 and 32. It says, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his, his son's Abram's wife. And they went together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So we know that God appears to Abram, and he calls him to go from the land of Ur, the Chaldeans, to the land of Canaan. Now we're going to have a picture up here. Hopefully you can see it. Um, to most of us, when we hear all these places, that doesn't really mean anything to us. I'm trying to give you some illustrations to help you picture what it was that God was calling Abram to. So God tells Abram he was in the land of Ur, God appears to Abraham when he was in Ur, and he tells him to go to the land of Canaan, in the red over there, right? So yellow is where we start. We see that Abraham and his family went, and then they stopped in Haran, chapter 11 tells us. And then when Abraham was 75 years old, God appeared to him again, which is what we have here in chapter 12. And then Abraham goes from Haran all the way um, to uh, eventually what would be the, the land of Canaan, the, the promised land, right? So Abraham goes from Ur to Haran, that's where they stop, and then they get to Shechem, the land of Canaan. This is a trek that was about a thousand miles on foot. Okay, so this wasn't just an easy move across town kind of move that God's telling him to do. God is telling him to uproot everything that he has, everything that he knows, and go to a land that he doesn't know. If it gives you any kind of picture, maybe, of what he was looking, if you're a geography nerd, we're looking at the southeast part of Iraq to, towards Turkey into now, obviously, uh, modern-day Israel. 
So a track over a thousand miles on foot. This was the, the premise of God's call. Go, go. Now, what do we know about Abram? Okay, so we, Abram just kind of comes into this picture as the son of Terah. But what do we know about Abram? Who was he before God actually called him? Well, we do know a couple things about Abram. Not a lot, but we know a couple of really important things for our passage. First, again, go back just a couple of verses. We're going to look at uh, chapter 11, 29 and 30. So um, we're going to see that Abram was childless. Okay? He had no descendants, no kid. 29, and Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and Ishka. Now Sarai was barren. She had no child. So first thing that we ever hear about Abram is that he had no child. Okay, so he had no descendants, but we know Abram. Secondly, Joshua later reveals to us a little bit more about Abram's family, where he comes from. Um, if you pull up Joshua 24, 1 through 3. Joshua, in Joshua, Moses later tells us that Abram and his family were actually a family of idolaters. Okay, we think great things about Abram for a good reason. But where did he come from? He came from a family of idolaters. Abram was an idolater. Okay? And it reads, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Okay, so when God called Abram, he was living in the land. He was worshiping other idols, just like his family, and serving other gods. So that's what we know about Abram. Childless idolater. That's who he was before God called him. All right, back to God's call. So as we look at the text, I just alluded to it briefly, but this wasn't just a simple call to move. When God asks him to, um, to go, he asks him to leave everything behind, right? Leave not just your country, leave your kindred and your father's house, the land that I will show you. In other words, God is calling him to reject everything about his old life, everything that you once knew, everything that has been an obstacle following me. I want you to leave that behind and follow me. Leave your father's customs, leave your father's idols, leave everything that you've held dear and follow my command. And as we will see, Abram obeyed that. Now, this should remind you of your own story, right? If you're in Christ, if you know your Savior, God has called you to follow him. And this means rejecting the old way in which you used to live, right? To leave the idols that you once held dear. To reject everything that at one point you thought would bring you righteousness and favor with God that you could do on your own. You're called to say, no, that is no longer how I am living, that is not the basis of my righteousness. When God saves you and he calls you, you have to decide to stop living for yourself and for your own pleasures, to leave all of that behind, all that seemed so good at the, point, at the time, and follow him, to stop following after your own heart. That's our call as Christians, is to leave the world behind and follow him. But there's always going to be temptations, right? There's always temptations to go back to Egypt. Always temptations to return to the comforts of life. Remember, Israel does this. They were slaves in Egypt. Okay? When God called you, he called to set you free from what was once enslaving you. And yet Israel just wanted to keep going back to that slavery. Wasn't that better when we were slaves in Egypt? And that's what we think too. It's, wasn't it better when I was a slave to that sin? But let me warn you, church, don't go there. Do not go there. It is hard sometimes to let go. 
And some of you have had a hard time letting go of your old past and your old temptations and old habits. So what is that for you? What do you run to when life gets difficult? And as you look at our passage, that God's dealing with Abraham, remind you, God's way is better. Okay, here's the theme of this morning. God's way is better. Leave your old ways behind and live to follow God. Whatever it is that you hold dear so much that you just don't want to let go, and it's an obstacle in your way of following Jesus, let it go, and it'll go better for you. So that's God's call to Abram, our, our call as Christians. Verse 2 and 3. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so as soon as God gave Abram the command to go and to follow him, he followed it with a, with a promise of a blessing, and a great blessing, okay? We see that Abram's obedience will be followed by blessing from God. So what is the blessing that God promises? Five main things that God promises to Abram he would bless him by. First, a great nation, which means many, many descendants would come from him. He would make him a great nation. Two, he would give him land, okay? We see this in uh, verse 7. Later on, to your offspring, I will give this land. Great nation, land. He would make for him a great name. Okay? And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. He would be known throughout all of history and all of eternity. And again, it's interesting. Compare this, right, to the previous chapter with Babel. What they were trying to do, they were trying to make a name for themselves. And what happens, when they try to make a name for themselves, they failed. God thwarted their plans. But when Abram trusted in God and left everything behind... God actually made his name great. Okay, see the contrast there. Fourthly, God promises favor, protection. He would bless those who bless him, and he would curse those who curse him. God would be with him and against his enemies. And the last blessing is that he would be a blessing to all the nations. Through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And how? We will come back to that shortly. Now, how can God promise all of this? Okay, and this is what I want you to think about God. How can God promise all these things? It's easy for us to think about that God can do this, but think about what do we learn about God? We learn that God alone has the power to exalt. Again, people tried to exalt themselves. It failed. God is the one who can make Abram's name great. And he can do that because he is the king of the nations. He is the one who subdues people and gives success to others. He will take the land of Canaan from the Canaanites and give it to the people of Israel. God is king. And therefore, he's able to dispense blessings upon whoever, whomever he chooses. They're his. The blessings are his to give. It's everything and everyone is under his hand. So it would be good for us to seek him. Now, when you're tempted to worry about the future, finances, with you know, election season coming up, and so it's very easy to worry about, well, what's the future of a nation going to be? Are we going to make it? Remember, God is king over the nations. That'll do as well to remember. And he rules rightly. He's a good king. Nations are his. Now, brief comment on, since there's a lot of talk about nations, and right now in, the, in our world there's a lot of talk about nations. I'm not going to say a lot about this. But how do we think about our nation? Okay, briefly, just a couple comments that I just want to make is, 
obviously, you're not called to love your nation more than God. That's clear, right? Abram was called to leave his nation and to go and follow God. You are called to follow God first and foremost. Yet at the same time, we will see that it is important to be a blessing, okay? God called Abram to be a blessing. And so wherever God has you, you can be a blessing and you should be a blessing. You don't just grumble all the time about how terrible things are. Your call is to seek to be a blessing wherever God has you. That's all I have for now. But next, okay, so we see God actually binds himself to Abram. So God didn't have to make these promises to Abram, right? Remember, remember, childless idolater, idolater, that's who Abram is. Nothing worthy of, you know, the grace of God and the favor of God. And yet God decides to bind himself to Abram's promises. If you do this, I will bless you in all these ways. God didn't have to do this. But he does. In verse 4, what do we see is that Abram actually obeyed. Abram actually obeyed. So Abram went, God's word says, as the Lord had told him. And that is such a sweet verse. May be said of us that we do the same thing, right? Now this step of faith was not an easy step to take. When God told Abram to move and to go and leave the land, this was not easy. And let me kind of show you the difficulty of this step of obedience. Hopefully to encourage you that when life gets hard and when God calls you to something really difficult, okay, that God will sustain you and that it is worthy to, it is worth of you to try to continue to follow even when it's difficult. Okay, a couple of difficulties. God promised that he was going to make him a great nation. What's the problem with that? Remember, childless idolater. He had no descendants. How were the nations going to come from him when he was an old man who had no children? Advanced in year, his wife was barren. First obstacle, right? That's pretty hard for God to do. Secondly, God said, I will give you this land. Well, what's the obstacle there? We see in verse 6. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Okay, this wasn't just a land that was just empty and just like, hey, Abram, you can do whatever you want with it. No, violent men lived in this land. Violent men that did not want to give this up, as we'll see in all of Scripture, did not want to give up the land. It's already inhabited. And then thirdly, I will make your name great. How is he going to make his name great when he left everything that he knows? He's starting completely over. No one knows you. And the last thing I want you to see, Abram didn't even know where he was going. Okay? Abram had no idea where God was taking him. Okay? We see this if you would pull up Hebrews 11.8. Later, Hebrews emphasizes this, and it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Okay? God was very specific. You're to leave this, and you're to leave this, and you're to leave this. And you will go to not a lot of clarity. Just the land that I will show you. In other words, trust me when the picture is not fully clear. And I hope that's also encouraging to you. When life is uncertain and you don't have the full picture, God has the full picture. Okay? He is worthy of our trust. What came as a result of Abram's obedience? Blessing upon blessing. And so let this be a lesson for us. Our obedience is blessed by God. And it is always more blessed to obey than to disobey. Again, I hope you're teaching this to your children. I hope your children know this and learn this and know that it is always better, right, to tell the truth. It is always better to follow after God's way than it is to disobey. But more important, not only teaching you, I hope that you actually believe it in your daily life. When it 
seems so hard to let go of that sin that you just love so much. I want you to trust that walking in God's way is actually better than whatever any idol can offer you. Parents, when the work of discipline and raising your children is difficult, exhausting, tiring, it never ends, right? Remember, there's a lasting blessing to you and to your children if you continue in this work. The Christian life really is a life of repentance, self-denial, and continuing trusting to Christ in faith. I want you to see the Christian life is a blessed life. Get this in your head. The Christian life is a blessed life. And I know some of you are thinking, is he going to start going to prosperity gospel now? We're going to address that quickly. But I want you to believe and know that no, we don't believe that all of a sudden every, all of your dreams are going to come true. But we do know that God blesses his people. And we shouldn't be so concerned about prosperity that we all of a sudden feel that God is always against us. In fact, God actually wants to bless his people, okay? Will you believe that? And will you just see God the way that he actually deals with his people kindly? That's why it's so important for you as you walk, don't make your obedience dependent upon anybody else. So if it actually is better to obey than to disobey, don't wait for somebody else to start obeying before you start obeying. You have a duty before God. Therefore, don't wait for your husband, right, to start getting things together, to start being more loving before you can be the type of wife that God expects you to be. Husbands don't expect your wives to all of a sudden understand everything about you before you can love them and treasure them well. And don't wait for your circumstances to change before you can be faithful to God. Remember, what's up to you? What can you control? You can control your obedience and your duty before God. Leave everything else up to God and see how he will act because he will act graciously if you will only trust him. Now you might say, right, there's a lot of suffering in our church, and you might say, well, that's not really going very well for me. If only you knew my circumstances truly. I've tried, right? I've tried to follow God. I've tried to do the best that I could. And yet, it's my friends who are not following after God, who are getting everything that they want, who have the girlfriend, the wife, the job. And because I'm a Christian, God's kept these things for me. I've tried to follow Christ, but life has only gotten harder. Okay, and this is where the break from prosperity, where prosperity gospel gets this wrong, right? God doesn't give you all your wishes and dreams. That would be awful for you, okay? Remember, God, this would be terrible if God gave you everything that you wanted. Your, your heart is crooked. Life does get hard, it's true. Christian life is really hard. But don't neglect your pastor's teaching, okay? Your pastor has taught you many, many years. Hard is not always bad. Hard is just hard. It is hard, and we can acknowledge that. But can you actually believe, and will you hear me when I tell you that you can still be blessed? Even in the middle of great suffering and great trial, God may still be blessing you in the middle of it all? Now, how can that be, right? And that's where our culture just cannot understand. When we think of blessings, right, we think of material blessings. But that is not the greatest thing. Prosperity, the great, the prosperity gospel gets it wrong. Walking with God, having God as yours, having forgiveness of sins, having a clean conscience, all these blessings are so much better than anything else that this world can offer, right? So we don't look at it like earthly things. We look at eternal things. 
And so we can still be blessed in the midst of trial, and that's what James reminds us of. If you pull up James 1.12, it says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Again, see this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Going through trial, you can still be considered blessed. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Or think of Luke 6, Jesus himself, when he says, Blessed are you who weep now. Hear this. Blessed are you who weep now. Who weeps? But those who have reason to weep. But blessed are you who weep now. For you shall laugh. You shall laugh. Now, isn't that amazing? Even the man who's in the great trial and great loss can consider himself blessed in Christ. And so if God has sustained you so far in this trial that you're in, you've been blessed. And don't be tempted to think that God will just stop blessing you now. God will continue to deal kindly with you. Think of Abram. He had to endure much pain in his obedience. It was not easy for him. It was very hard. Israel, right, later had to endure much affliction, battles, before the land was actually theirs. And if you think about it, Abram never even got to see the fulfillment complete. You know, God told him, I, was, I would make of you a great nation. I will give your descendants this land. He did not get to see this fully realized. He died before that happened. But now, right, we know that he stands as one of the most blessed and highly spoken men in all of history. So church, persevere. Will you persevere? Even if you don't see it today or tomorrow, will you know that God is working and that these blessings are yours and Jesus? And will you trust God with your pain and remember that he is with you and for you. And there's no better blessing than that. No better blessing than that. Don't envy your non-believing friends when you have God on your side. This also means another thing. Don't groan at your responsibility before God. And many of you, this is your temptation, this is my temptation, is we groan when we have to do something for God. It's like, oh, I have to go to church again. Oh, it's small group night. Oh, they just asked me to go serve with the kids again. I have to give up an evening to go and help somebody move. Don't groan. Don't groan at your obedience. Why? It's because God has designed all of these things for your good. The fact that you get to obey God and walk in his ways is actually one of the greatest blessings that you can have, that you know him, and God has designed his obedience for your good. Okay, so don't groan. Don't grumble. Don't think that God is being harsh with you when he expects you to obey him. His blessings are actually good for you. They're sure for those who trust in him. And even when you have to make a really difficult step, think back. Think back on your own life. You, a lot of you have had to take really difficult steps of faith when you have to go against family, friends, and it's been really difficult. And now think back. Hasn't God blessed you through those? Hasn't God actually taught you and grown you? Hasn't it all been better because God has been with you and blessed you through those difficult times? So don't think of God as capricious, that whenever trials come, he's just here to afflict you. That's wrong. Do not think that God is just here to afflict you. He has a purpose for you. Also, don't think that God is just not kind to you. That is also wrong. If you don't see God's blessings, you're just being too nearsighted. And you need to focus on God's blessings. Uh, 
That's what some of you need to do. Is you need to take your eyes off of yourself because you're so quick at seeing yourself and your needs and your circumstances. You need to get them off yourself and what you need today and just see what is God doing in my life. How has God blessed me? And that will do so much good to your soul. Like, looking at yourself is just going to depress you. Like, I know. It's just sad. But look at Christ, and that will encourage you. That's actually seeing life truly as a Christian, when you look at Christ and what he's done for you. You think of the difficult journey, just like this was. You think of the difficult journey, but you fail to see the promised land flowing with milk and honey. So don't stop there. Even the hardest step of obedience for the Christian is a path to greater joy. Believe that. Lost my water bottle. I'm okay. Now, we've spoken a lot about our duty. Rightly so. We've spoken a lot about our duty before God. But I don't want you to lose sight of God in all of this. I don't want you to lose sight of God and his power and his grace on this point. Because ultimately, God is the one who does all of this. God is the one who promises. God is the one who gets the credit. And think about this. God, again, takes, what, who's Abraham again? God takes the childless idolater and he turns him into the father of the faith. Abraham was not worthy of God's favor in one way, shape, or form. But God chose him and nourished his faith to receive the blessings that God wanted to display for his people. Always remember, if God had not acted in Abram's life, he would continue in his idolatry. That should be a reminder for you too. If God had not acted in your life, in a moment of history, when he came and acted in your life, you would be lost in your sin. Don't forget that. Again, God did not have to bless Abram, but he bound himself to Abram by his promise, and he does this in abundant grace. And now he has done the same thing for you, church. Right? Don't just think that that's just something in the past. God has actually bound himself to you, not because of your obedience, but because of Christ. In Christ, God has bound himself to you to bless you. All the blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus. So God, again, always remember, God is the one who makes the blessings possible. Abram could not have obeyed God if it wasn't for God's help. And so it is with God's help that we can obey with joy. Now, let's go back to um, verse 2. Yeah, verses 1 and 2. God actually gives Abram two commands. Okay? And there's two commands that God gives him. And this is, these are important for you because these are two commands that I want you to hear from God himself. God tells Abram to go. And secondly, what's the second commandment? Verse 2 says, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Okay, at first glance, it's hard to see what the command is, but actually there is a command in here that God tells him to be a blessing. The command from God to Abram is, be a blessing. In our ESV, it's more like an adjective, like you will be like almost describing Abram who he's going to be, but it's actually more of a command, like, Abram, you will be a blessing. I will make sure that you are going to act and be a blessing. Now, how is... How can Abram do this? Okay, Abram actually couldn't do this. God had to do it for him. Now let's go forward. Paul, okay, when Paul looks back at this passage, he gleans something wonderful. Galatians 3.8. In Galatians 3.8, Paul tells us 
that God had a plan, even from Genesis 12, to bring people to himself from all nations from the time of Abraham. And so it reads, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And then just a couple of verses later in Galatians 3.16, Paul says, now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. Okay, so Genesis 12 tells us, how is God going to bless all the nations through Abraham? Well, the most important part that we see is that God actually blesses them through the one who was to come from Abraham's descendants. It would be a blessing to all peoples everywhere. And that is Jesus Christ, the one who came from Abraham, God himself, the Savior of the world. And so now, in Jesus, all the nations of the earth can be blessed. Right? All the nations can find salvation. There is no tongue, there is no group that cannot find salvation but in Christ Jesus. But all people can call on him and be saved. So this has great implications for missions, right? Great implications for missions. We see Abraham's willingness to go from his country and how God was going to bless the nations. Now we also need people who will be willing to sacrifice and proclaim Christ as the hope of the nations. And we value this. We see that it's important. Not just because it's a modern movement, the modern missionary movement, but because it's rooted in God's word. But because God is going to accomplish this. Okay, always, always be wary of modern movements. Again, even the modern missionary movement, there's good things about it. There's things that are not so good about it. Again, but don't get enamored by a movement. Trust God and that he will accomplish his word. Our church takes this seriously. Okay? We, we really want to grow in taking this seriously and grow in our love for missions and to see God glorified in the nations. And that's why we're always trying to grow and Involved, getting involved ourselves with other, you know, people who are proclaiming God's word to the nations. And that means both global and domestic, by the way. Global and domestic. God wants to see his name glorified. And we want to be a part of that. So that's why we partner with missionaries, right? We have Modern, we have the huts, and we set money aside every month, right, to try to support the work of uh, missions going out into the world. And uh, Lord willing, we'll have more um, to share with you at the congregational meeting, but uh, you know, we're, we're willing, we're hopeful that with some of the surplus from this year's giving, that we'll be able to actually be a blessing, a greater blessing that we even plan to be for some of those missionaries and some of the local organizations that are here in our town, seeking to bless others in the name of Jesus. And so we hope to be able to partner with them and grow. And there's a lot that we can still grow in, but we do take this seriously and we want to make this a priority. The question is, is this a priority for you? Do you care about how God gets proclaimed in our town, in the nations? The reality of it is that most of you are not called to go. Right? Most of you are not called to go, leave everything behind, and become a uh, missionary somewhere else. Though, I say that, if God is steering something in you, you know, you want to talk, please let us know. We would love to talk to you and maybe give you some steps. But for most of you, your call is not going to be to go, from your land, but there's, you do have two commands. Okay? You do have the command not to go from your nation, but to submit to God's word. That's what Abraham ultimately is doing, is obeying and submitting to God's word, which we talked about. And secondly, to be a blessing to all. To seek to be a blessing to all. 
Christian, you are called to be a blessing. You are in Abraham, which we know that you're in Abraham through faith, as Abraham's offspring. You are called to be a blessing to those around you. You have a great purpose to live for. Okay? You're not aimless, just trying to figure out, trying to get by, and, you know, oh, trying to just get by without responsibility. No, God has actually given you a great purpose. That's to live for Him, and that's to be a blessing to those around you, just as Christ has blessed you. Now, God has given you a responsibility. You, actually, a Christian, you cannot get by without responsibility. I know men especially, we all desire to not have any responsibility. But shocker, when you become a Christian, God gives you responsibility. And this is one of your responsibilities, is to be a blessing to those around you. So when was the last time you purposely tried to go out to seek to be a blessing to those around you? Right? Ask yourself. Sad. Because most of us are just bent towards ourselves and towards our needs. We're selfish. You're selfish. We think of ourselves too much. Contrast this, right? Contrast your selfish heart with God's heart for the nations. To give of himself everything. It costed Jesus everything to bring you to himself. And how little you're willing to give for others in the name of Christ. There's a lot of things we could point to, right? To show our, you know, what we want is we just want to preserve ourselves. We want to we're just creatures of self-preservation. That's what we are. We're just trying to protect our family, trying to protect our finances, trying to protect our name, our reputation. We're just trying to protect ourselves. But that's not what we're called to do. Okay? So we could point to our money, how we use our money. We could point to our kids. But think about even just especially when you think, how do you think about your schedule? How do you make your schedule on a weekly week? On a weekly week? On a weekly basis? Do you think... If you're like me, right, the events that go in first are always like, okay, this is the thing that I need to do, that I want to do, that will be a blessing to me. And usually an afterthought as well, if I have any leftover time, then maybe I'll see if I can help somebody else. What would it look like instead to plan your schedule, to plan your life around actually being loving and serving others, to be outwardly focused? Now, I know that a lot of us are just overwhelmed already with responsibility, with children running around with work, with figuring out what it means to be a husband and a wife, like a lot of these things are just really overwhelming and it's just like, I don't know how I have any capacity to do anything else. Okay, and I understand that. But especially for those of you who have children out of the home and who are single, like you should use the time that you have wisely. But even if you're not able to give as much as you can, at the very, very, very least, okay, can we, can we like maybe lower the bar just a little bit? Can the threshold just be, is your heart actually desiring to be outward focused, outward focused? And even if right now it's just like, I just don't know how I can do this, is it your desire to actually be a blessing to others? And now I'm not saying, right, just kind of an illustration example, I'm not saying that you just have to give to everybody on the street, right? Everybody who asks you just have to give. I understand that there's reasons not to. But what I find really interesting, right, and what I see in my own heart is that oftentimes we're so concerned about like, well, I'm not going to give to that man on the street because, you know, you never know what he's going to use it for, right? And so, but what you have, to, you have to have caution is that you don't actually let your own logic and your own explanation of what's going to happen actually make you calloused towards other people. And then next thing you know, you're actually justifying your greed and you're making it seem like charity. 
okay? Again, not saying you have to give to everyone, but at least recognize what's happening in your hearts. Don't be callous towards those in need. Seek to be a blessing. Love others. Pray for others. I just want your heart to be inclined towards being a blessing, okay? Let's lower that bar. Let's get there. Because God has blessed you. God has blessed you. And not just so you can keep it to yourself, but that you can be a blessing to others. So use what God has given you to glorify God. Let me conclude with this. It will always go better for us when we obey. And the only reason you can obey and receive God's blessings is because Christ obeyed on your behalf. Think about this. All of your blessings depend upon obedience. There is not a single blessing that does not depend on obedience. You look at your own heart, you'll know, oh, I don't deserve too many blessings. And it's true. Our obedience is weak and feeble. But all of your blessings that God has given, God has dealt so kindly with you, how can he do that? It's because he sees Christ's obedience. And it is his obedience that has been given to you when you trusted in Christ. So don't depend upon yourself. Trust in God. And trust that it is in Christ and his obedience that you are blessed. And then let that actually spur you on towards more obedience. If you're in Christ, you're counted along with Abraham, and you've received blessing after blessing. Church, you are blessed. Do you believe that? In trial, do you believe that God has been good to you? Because he has. And so, as he has blessed you, you have so many reasons to rejoice, not to grumble, to obey with joy. So let's do that this week. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, thank you for the example that you gave us in Abram. Abraham, thank you, Father, that we see in your word uh, that he went and he obeyed as you told him to. And, Father, we as your people, that's our desire, that you would do with us as you please and that you would uh, accomplish great things, Lord, for your name through this humble uh, people that we have here gathered this morning. Would you help us to see just how much of a blessing um, this life is? Lord, even in the difficulties, would you help us to see that you are with us? And may that be enough for us. May we be satisfied with your goodness and your love and your kindness. May our hearts not long for great things, but may we be content. Lord, may we rejoice in sufferings. May we uh, grow in our love for one another. May we grow in our service to others as we know that you called us to be a blessing. And so, Father, I just pray that you be with us because we cannot do this apart from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.